The Stone Zone with legendary Republican strategist and political icon and pundit Roger Stone. Stone has served as a senior campaign aide to three Republican presidents. He is a New York Times bestselling author and a longtime friend and advisor of President Donald Roger Trump. Stone. As an outspoken libertarian, Stone has appeared on thousands of broadcasts, spoken at countless venues, and lectured before the prestigious Oxford Political Union and the Cambridge Union Society. Due to his four-plus decades in the political and cultural arena, Stone has become a pop culture icon. And now, here's your host, Roger Stone. Welcome. I'm Roger Stone, and yes, you are back on the Stone Zone. Well, late yesterday, the Schumer-Lankford Open Borders Bill, known previous otherwise known as the Border Security Bill, was released. And the internet is ablaze. That's because the uh, bipartisan bill specifically allows for 5,000 illegal immigrants per day to enter and work in the United States. That would be 155,000 illegal immigrants per month, amounting to an annual total of 1.8 million a year. If this were to become law, it would lock future president of the United States, Donald Trump, into allowing roughly 2 million illegals into the country, completely opposite of the policies he successfully pursued as president. Now, President Donald Trump himself has weighed in. Here is his statement. Uh, he posted this minutes ago. Only a fool or a radical left Democrat would vote for this horrendous border bill, which only gives shut down authority after 5,000 encounters a day, when we already have the right to close the border now, which must be done. This bill is a great gift to the Democrats and a death wish for the Republican Party. It takes the horrible job the Democrats have done on immigration and the border, absolves them, and puts it squarely on the shoulders of Republicans. Don't be stupid. We need a separate border and immigration bill uh, that is not tied in any way to foreign aid in any way, shape, or form. The Democrats broke the immigration uh, and the border. They should fix it. Make America great again. That is uh, the other key here. The Schumer-Lankford bill uh, is also tied to millions of dollars more for Ukraine. Uh, in Oklahoma, the Republican State Committee has adopted a resolution condemning and censuring Senator James Lankford. Lankford, who pretends to be a conservative, has now been fully exposed. Uh, we will bring you more on this story as it develops. We have a great show for you today. First, President Bukele of El Salvador has been uh, reelected. Our friend Herbert Eshelman is going to join us from uh, El Salvador to tell us about that. And then later, Dr. Jane Ruby, one of the real health freedom warriors in this country, joins us to talk about the last pandemic and, well, what we can look forward to. Uh, as I just said, the election uh, in El Salvador is over. Uh, the, the results uh, are uh, overwhelming uh, and impressive. Let me pull this up. Let's see. Uh, we uh, vote counting is still going on, uh, but we do know that President Bukele uh, was reelected with over 87 percent uh, of the vote uh, and that his party has swept between 58 and 60 of the 62 congressional seats. I should also point out that uh, under his administration, they made it easier for El Salvadorians who lived abroad to vote in the election. And for the first time, those votes have come in. Our good friend Herbert Eshman joins us here on the Stone Zone to help us break this down. How are you, Roger? Thank you for having me on the show. It's good to see you, my friend. Uh, you must really be celebrating. Nobody has been a more effective advocate for the current administration in El Salvador than you have. You told me years ago what a successful president Bukele would be, uh, how he would clean up the country and restore it to both prosperity and security. 
Herbert, you've turned out to be absolutely right. Thank you, Roger. You know, it's an understand. Uh, El Salvador today celebrates, Roger. El Salvador celebrates its liberation, liberation from foreign interests that drew it into an unnecessary civil war back in the 80s. The people of El Salvador have been absolutely thrilled to have a government that has given them the freedom to have a new purpose, the freedom to progress in new areas of life that before were not available to the Salvadoran people. While Washington bureaucrats and a lot of international organizations argued that El Salvador's democracy was in danger, which was not true, hundreds of thousands of Salvadorans came out to vote, not only on a national level, but also internationally for the first time in history. There were droves of Salvadorans voting all over the world, Australia, uh, Europe, in the United States, in Canada, everywhere. It has been a great celebration, very democratic. I would say that democracy has been strengthened in El Salvador under the leadership of President Bukele. Uh, folks, if you're just tuning in, we're with my good friend Herbert Esmahan, uh, and uh, he's telling us about the smashing re-election victory of President Bukele. We have a clip of the president's speech. Let's just show a little bit of this. Look at the size of that crowd. For anyone who doesn't think that El Salvador is awash in participatory democracy, I think those scenes show otherwise. Uh, Herbert, let me ask you this. How did Bukele and his party deal with the obvious uh, election interference attempts of George Soros and other foreign anti-democratic actors? You know, the Salvadoran people, Roger, God, thank God, are immune to the propaganda from the international organizations and the Soros network. Because for so long, the false democracy that the international community support, uh, supported here in El Salvador with the old party, old two-party system, was a system that not only was not democratic, but it also drowned El Salvador in crime and poverty. And today, El Salvador celebrates true democracy in which Salvadoran citizens get to choose their fate. They get to choose the future of their nation. And as Salvadorans, we're not going to let that be taken from us. There's no propaganda that the Soros Network can try to infiltrate our system with that we are going to believe. Yeah, I, I think for people who are not really, don't really understand, El Salvador was one of the most dangerous, poorest uh, places uh, on the face of the earth just a few short years ago. Uh, and uh, it has been cleaned up, particularly with a crackdown on gang violence, which really plagued the entire country. This seems to have really upset the American and worldwide left. Uh, one wonders, what is it about crime that they like? What is, that, what is it about instability? Interesting, uh, you posted this, how I learned about it. Congresswoman uh, Ilhan Omar uh, wrote a letter essentially demanding U.S. interference in the El, Vasor, El Salvadorian elections. Uh, let's put that letter up if we could. When you read this letter, uh, as you correctly pointed out, what she really wants to do 
is defund the police in El Salvador uh, so that power can be turned back to the criminals. Uh, you called this out. Talk to me about this letter and this effort. Absolutely. You know, the request made in Ilhan's letter to Secretary Blinken is well disguised, but very easy to figure out. They want to delig uh, delegitimize El Salvador's government, lie about the current reality, fund the opposition, and end the war on gangs, which is something the Salvadoran people are not for. The we have proven yesterday with the most democratic elections in the history of our nation that what the people want is this bright future that President Nayib Bukele is building. We don't want to go back to a past of crime and gangs, which sadly is what a lot of people from the international community seem to want us to go back to, because back then they used to call it democracy. And now that our country's thriving, they try to label it as a dictatorship when it's not. President Bukele is a modern-day liberator. He has given freedom back to the people. But apparently, it's a bad thing to be for freedom in today's day and age. Uh, Herbert, do we know yet, and it may be premature, what percentage of the eligible people in El Salvador voted yesterday? I do not have the exact number right now, Roger, but I can tell you, for your viewers that are just tuning in, that President Bukele won the election with 87% of the vote. And the other candidates from the old two-party system, they only got like 4% of the vote, 3%. Those parties are done. And they're done because they had an opportunity to serve the people of El Salvador, but instead they sold themselves out to foreign interests that damaged our country. And now we are rebuilding and we're going to build it incredibly. It's a paradise. <laughs> Uh, I noticed uh, that uh, in some of the polls leading up to the election that President Bukele had a 90% job approval rating. Now, as a long-time observer of politics, not only in the United States, but worldwide, I've never seen anything like that. Uh, his critics cannot say that the polls were rigged because the polls were taken of a statistically accurate subsample of the voters. And I think it just demonstrates that the people are very happy with the new prosperity and opportunity, plus, most importantly, the safety and security of their neighbors. El Salvador is a shining example of how democracy can and should work uh, under a, a forthright leader. Uh, Bukele is only 42 years old. Uh, he has obviously uh, a success story that is the envy of the world. Uh, Herbert, you know him personally. You know his family. Tell us about Bukele the man. What, what is he like? He is one of the most humble men that I have met. Very down to earth with a good heart. You can feel that when you communicate the concerns of the people to him, he actually cares. And it's not like politicians who pretend to care. He actually does care. You are able to read through his emotions, through his body language, that this man is on a mission not only to save his nation and to save his people, but to honor God while doing it. Yesterday during his speech, he mentioned how a lot of um, foreign nations and organizations get angry by the fact that he mentions God. They say, oh, the church and state have to be separate. And he says, yes, but our people are allowed to give this victory to God. We are allowed to honor God. And what happens is that they are afraid, he mentioned, that the people of other nations where atheism and religious values have been removed and, in, and atheism has been implanted into the society, they're afraid that these nations, people are going to start waking up and honoring God again. And what's going to happen if that happens? A lot of the politicians that are in power in those nations are going to get kicked out because they don't represent God or the people. Uh, very, very well said. Folks, uh, please follow my good friend Herbert Eshmahan on, uh, on X, uh, where he is a major proponent. Uh, and Herbert, let us know when you're going to be uh, in Miami again. It would be great to break bread with you. Congratulations, my friend. This is a smashing victory, not only for your country, but for democracy. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much, Roger, and may God bless you. All right, folks, that is uh, our friend uh, Herbert Eshmahan directly from El Salvador, where President Bukele has won a smashing re-election. Uh, that sound you hear in the background is the gnashing of teeth of the worldwide left. No, he's not a dictator. No, he does not run an authoritarian government. Uh, he's provided prosperity and security for his people. It's a perfect example of what can be done. A very interesting, uh, the jobs numbers that were posted by the Biden administrations uh, allegedly to tell us uh, how successful Bidenomics has been. Uh, the jobs report appeared, at least on the surface, to be a blockbuster, claiming that 353,000 net jobs had been created, which was almost double the estimate of 180,000 that were to be created. But a deeper look tells a very different story. My good friend Barry Habib, uh, who is one of the country's foremost housing experts and a true economic guru, uh, points out that the Bureau of Labor Statistics used seasonal adjustments to smooth out these numbers to take into account changes that normally occur during different times of the year. The adjustment for January is often large because of the big drop-off of holiday hires. Those are temporary hires. But let's look at the raw numbers, he told me. Uh, right from the Bureau of Labor Statistics report, we see that we actually lost, in real numbers, 2,635,000 jobs. But because of the magic keystroke of seasonal adjustment, the actual and true number of jobs lost was made to look as if we had gained 353,000 jobs. The seasonal adjustment was a whopping 2,988,000. This is rather convenient for an administration with the lowest approval rating uh, in their history and also happens to come along just before a State of the Union. That's to create a faux talking point. Unfortunately, the weakness in the economy under Joe Biden does not stop there. The number of hours worked per week plummeted to 34.1. This is the lowest number of hours worked in 14 years, excluding the depths, uh, pardon me, including, uh, the, excluding the depths of the pandemic. That means that the entire labor force is working one half hour less per week on average compared to a year ago. Uh, the correct way to view this is to take the relative reduction in hours worked and then multiply it by the labor force, which is the equivalent of 2.4 million job losses since last year. And while there's much more in this report to pick apart, uh, let us leave you with just one more point. The January report showed that 63,000 full-time jobs were lost, which were replaced by 96,000 part-time jobs. Uh, as Habib points out, it gets much worse when you look at the past three months. We have lost an astounding 1.4 million full-time jobs while adding 900,000 part-time jobs. Don't let Joe Biden tell you that Bidenomics is working. Uh, it is not. Uh, in addition to the uh, immigration upheaval going on on the internet uh, over the details of the Schumer-Lankford open borders bill. Uh, there was released yesterday a stunning new NBC poll, which shows that President Donald Trump has scored his biggest lead yet against Joe Biden. Uh, that poll yesterday shows, let's see, Donald Trump scored his largest lead yet in the history of the NBC polls in which Trump is pitted against Biden uh, as uh, voters continue to give Biden poor marks across the board. Trump are now leading Biden 47 to 42. Uh, that is up from uh, a lead of 46 to 44 uh, recorded by the NBC poll uh, in November. Uh, even they had to note this is the biggest uh, NBC lead NBC has ever had in the 16 polls 
they have taken pitting Trump versus Biden. It's interesting to know that the generic test, the generic ballot between Republicans uh, and Democrats uh, was 49-45. Still too close for comfort, uh, but this was a poll of 1,000 registered voters with a plus or minus margin of three. When third-party candidates were added in the mix, Trump actually expanded his role, uh, dispatching Biden 41 to 35, with a Libertarian candidate getting 5%, a Green Party candidate getting 5%, and a no-labels candidate, unnamed, getting 4%. The poll notably did not test environmental lawyer Robert F. Kennedy Jr., I'm not really certain why. Uh, looking at a subsample of just the Republicans shows uh, that, um, pardon me, uh, looking at the other candidates for president, the poll showed that Nikki Haley beat Biden, but only 45 to 36. Uh, interestingly, a subsample of just Republican voters showed uh, that Trump beat Haley. This is amazing. 79 to 19 in the Republican primary contest. Uh, This reflects, I think, what we're about to see uh, in Nevada later this week, which I know will be a blowout. In fact, I think Nikki Haley elected not to compete. So President Trump will uh, snatch a substantial number of delegates. Uh, And then uh, we're moving to South Carolina, a new Fabrizio poll, a pollster that we have a long knowledge and confidence in shows a Trump winning by almost two to one in the Palmetto State. Now, Nikki Haley specifically said on the night of the New Hampshire primary that she had to do better in South Carolina than she did uh, in New Hampshire, where she got 43 percent. Fabrizio has her at 34 percent in her home state. It's a far cry from what we saw in New Hampshire. Uh, I do want to point out that South Carolina uh, is a state in which anyone of any party can vote in either party primary. Uh, There is a very obvious uh, and traceable effort afoot to get Democrats who are uh, liberal Uh, or independents to vote in the Republican primary, quote-unquote, against uh, Donald Trump. These are Biden voters. Jim Clyburn, uh, who is the African-American congressman who arguably saved Joe Biden's political career in the South Carolina primary, talks extensively about how black voters uh, are enthused about Joe Biden. It's a little hard to believe. What part of Biden's record is it they love? Is it his opposition to the integration of the Delaware school system? Because in 1972, Joe Biden was elected uh, running in opposition to the integration of the schools in Delaware, saying that they would become, quote, a racial jungle. Uh, That's the dog whistle, if I've ever heard it. Or perhaps Mr. Clyburn thinks uh, that black voters in South Carolina are energized about Joe Biden's role in requiring the harsh mandatory penalties for the first time nonviolent crime of possession of small amounts of drugs. Uh, This has fallen disproportionately on poor people and particularly black people. Uh, It is indeed racist. The 1994 crime bill written by Joe Biden and signed into law by Bill Clinton actually provides harsher mandatory penalties for those caught with rock cocaine than those caught with powdered cocaine. This disproportionately affects poor people and black people, people who belong not in incarceration, but in drug treatment programs because they have no previous criminal records and they're a danger to no one other than themselves. No, Joe Biden is a racist. Kamala Harris, of all people, called him out in the debates. We need to remember to get that clip, folks. Uh, It is going to be very interesting in South Carolina to watch the Democrat turnout. Now, there's little question that Joe Biden will win the South Carolina primary. In fact, the party that says it's standing up for democracy has really cleared uh, the field 
for Joe Biden to make sure that he didn't actually have any meaningful opposition within his party. It's why Robert Kennedy bolted. Also interesting in the most recent news stories, uh, Robert Kennedy, who, as you know, left the Democratic Party, although he's still a registered Democrat, announced his intention to uh, run as an independent, uh, said he had raised between 15 and $20 million for a drive to get on the ballot, now suddenly says that he may take the Libertarian Party nomination. To me, this is an indicator that his ballot access drive must not be going very well. Uh, it is, uh, as I've pointed out here, uh, a, an arcane, difficult process to get any independent candidate on the ballot. Uh, anyway, Dr. Jane Ruby is coming up to talk to us about the last pandemic and what we need to look forward to going forward. Uh, but let me ask you, uh, before you do that, uh, we have something that you may well be interested in. Last week, uh, actually almost two weeks ago now, a little less, was the fifth anniversary of that dark morning pre-dawn when 29 heavily armed FBI agents swarmed my home at six o'clock in the morning to arrest me for the first time a nonviolent, non-existent crime of lying to Congress in my voluntary testimony before the House Intelligence Committee. Uh, in fact, um, I lied about nothing. There was no Russian collusion and no WikiLeaks collaboration for me to lie about. I had no motive to lie, uh, but federal prosecutors uh, put relentless pressure on me uh, to get me to testify falsely against Donald Trump. Well, you know the rest of the story. I was redeemed in the blood of the cross. The Lord answered my prayers. President Donald Trump saw through the political and outrageous railroading and Soviet-style show trial that I was subjected to simply because I would not flip and tell lies about him. Now, this entire experience has been preserved in a commemorative coin uh, that you uh, can get us a little piece of history yourself. There is the Roger Stone did nothing wrong commemorative coin. Uh, you can get it by going to stonezone.com, stonezone.com. Uh, and when you go to stonezone.com, first let me ask you to subscribe. It is absolutely free. That way you'll get the very latest on all my activities. Uh, whether it is uh, my daily show, The Stone Zone, or whether it is my WABC radio show on the weekends. Plus, you get print stories that I write, and I curate some of the most important news stories that you should see. So go to the shop, or I should say the store, at stonezone.com. You see the address there at the bottom. Uh, and order your very own Roger Stone Did Nothing Wrong commemorative coin. Uh, while you're there, you can also order copies of my books, The Man Who Killed Kennedy, The Case Against LBJ, uh, The Clinton's War on Women, The Bush a Crime Family, uh, The Making of the President 2016, uh, my book, uh, The Stone's Rules, with a foreword uh, by Tucker Carlson, all available at stonezone.com in the store. I invite you to check it out. Okay, uh, I had the uh, privilege of speaking for the Florida Republican Assembly uh, the other evening, uh, and uh, I had forgotten how much I appreciate Dr. Jane Ruby, uh, one of the most courageous uh, health freedom warriors in the country. She gave an extraordinary presentation that uh, I was so impressed with that I had to ask her to join us on the Stone Zone today. Dr. Jane Ruby, welcome to the Stone Zone. Hi, Roger. It's great to be with you. Really enjoy it. Thank you so much. It was great to see you the other night. Uh, and um, you too. Uh, because of our timing here, I'm going to let you get right into it because you really are uh, uh, an inspiration to those who want the truth uh, about what's going on in the country regarding our health and the policies of this government that has, well, told us a lot of lies. Uh, Dr. Jane, take it away. Yeah, thank you so much, Roger. And it's really important that people understand 
the realities and the right definitions of things. Otherwise, they're going to fall for this again uh, when this wayward government tries to put the wool over our eyes. You know, and, and I believe they will. I believe they're teeing up a lot of different things. But you know, for your audience, um, I actually spent 20 years in the pharmaceutical industry on the medical research side. Before that, I ran my own human subjects, you know, trial centers. I've written uh, many protocols and informed consent documents. So the reason I share that with people is because uh, in early March 2020, I recognized because of my experience how ridiculous and how dangerous uh, this whole situation was, that it wasn't a public health emergency at all, that it was a political move and a psychiatric or a psychological operation on the population. And I can I can get into that if you have questions about that later. But I wanted to share with your audience um, what when we talk about what's in the shots, you know, the 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 COVID scare, the shots, the 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 material falsely called a vaccine, which by the way, gives them the cover, gives these companies, gives the uh, uh, wayward government, the DOD right now that's conducting this kill, I believe a kill operation, it gives them the cover by calling it a vaccine. It falls under Reagan's 1986 um, National you know, Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, which unfortunately um, shifted the burden from pharmaceutical companies for compensation and injuries to the American people. And it also gave them 100% you know, liability shield. But when we talk about what was in these shots, Roger, we're actually talking about it could be anything on any given day. We know that because Pfizer had an agreement with the European Medicines Agency for a 50% non-disclosure agreement. What that means is it's like going to the store and buying a package of hot dogs and it says 50% meat and the other 50% is not disclosed. Well, <laughs> you wouldn't want to eat a food product like that. So the same thing with these shots. And because we know that not everything is deployed, they can switch it up uh, anytime, which I also think explains why some people got sick and some people died and other people in large numbers didn't have any effect from the shots. Uh, but if you're okay with it, I'll take you and your audience through a few of the things that are in the shots that we have discovered over the last few years. Should I proceed with that? Jane, you're doing great. Just uh, uh, I, every time I see you, I learn something I didn't know. Uh, yeah, thank you. I'm really glad to have you on the show today. Please proceed. Yes, thank you. Thank you. So first of all, go to my slide one. Uh, it, what's in the shots? Um, we I broke the story worldwide in June-ish of 2021 when I discovered a group of Spanish uh, researchers and analysts and bioengineers, they had gotten their hands on a, a couple of vials of Pfizer and Moderna, and they found what they believe to be a graphene oxide. That's your first picture on the far left. Well, what they did was they 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 look, got an electron microscope. They they looked at the material and they saw this picture, and then somebody else said, "Hey, there's a there's this uh, a chemical engineering uh, a published article of graphene oxide. It looks exactly like this." So. They were really onto something. Now, a lot of frontline doctors that I believe have become compromised, I'll just leave it there. People can figure it out, but they've really gone to great lengths to dampen this story and quiet it down and hide it and tell people that I'm a nut and, you know, La Quinta Columna in Spain is a, are a bunch of nuts. But nevertheless, many other people have come forward to share their evidence with me that they found this. Now, the second thing that's been found of course, is, you know, what do you think they're using for that mRNA? It's not natural uh, messenger RNA that your body creates and reassembles and moves around. It's something called modified RNA. So there's a little dupe being played on the American public. And this is synthetic. It's made in a lab. It's who knows what's in it. We have had some evidence that there's uh, the DNA of, of animals like macaque monkeys and aborted fetal cells and horrific things like that, that have gone into making this foreign DNA. And then, of course, the work of uh, Kevin McKernan, who was on the Human Genome Project, and uh, Professor Murakami in Japan, separately, without even knowing each other, uh, found these SV40 cancer promoters that when they mapped the Moderna and Pfizer material. So this is really horrible. And then the last thing, or I, I, I guess one of the major other things, a lot of German scientists and South African scientists brought to my attention from over 2021, 2022 and such and forward, you know, these visual pictures like, like videos of the material from Pfizer and Moderna shots under a microscope, 
with these like circuitry, uh, ge geometric shapes, these luminescent metallic things. And of course, I also broke the story, which I'll talk about in the next slide. And we could probably move on to the next slide of what these shots are essentially doing to the body. And the first picture is where I was going with that. It, I also broke the story worldwide in January of 2022 of these embalmers that were for the first time ever in their careers, seeing these white fibrous clots, when they went to try to embalm somebody, they were coming upon blockages. So when they removed them so they could bring their you know, embalming fluid into the body, they were pulling these, these things out, like you see in the first picture on, on the gloved hand. Uh, these are, by the way, uh, the, uh, the embalmers I spoke to sent a sample to Dr. Brian Artis, uh, who to my knowledge has not analyzed them, and also to Dr. Ryan Cole, who has uh, really kind of pushed against these, called them sugar and cholesterol, and we know they're not, because when I couldn't, uh, when the embalmer couldn't get anyone to pay attention, I called up the help of Mike Adams, the health ranger, and he is a nationally certified ISO lab, so he analyzed these and said these are not human tissue, they're not blood, they're not blood clots, they are, uh, they're made of very dangerous uh, uh, metals, very rare or if ever found in the human body, uh, radioactive materials, conductive. So we, we still don't know what the purpose is, but that's that was a huge story, five, six million views already on that. The other thing was doctors were coming to me, Roger, and showing me blood under the microscope, pictures of the blood of their patients who had taken the shots and said, you know, I don't feel good. I don't have any energy. And so what you see in the second picture, blood damage, is on the left. You can kind of see there's a demarcation line. These, that's normal red blood cells. They're negatively charged, which is healthy, which keeps them bouncing off each other so they don't stick and they can bring oxygen you know, to your, to your cells. On the right, this is from Dr. Philippe Van Welberg in, in the UK. Uh, he found these metallic structures that you see in the in that blood damage on the right, and of course the blood vessel or the blood cells, the red blood cells are all kind of stuck together, and that that just shows that they're damaged, they're injured chemically and physically. And then of course the third picture, heart damage. We are all well aware of the huge numbers of myocarditis, and I want to explain that because what this these this technology does, which was never ready for human prime time is it forces your body to make the, what they call the spike protein, which is what makes you sick in the, on the common cold virus. And th the spike protein, your body's forced to make it in many different places in your body. So when your body recognizes it, it attacks it as, as the foreign protein that it is. So I'm not sure who the genius was that thought of this, but never was a good idea because your immune system is designed to look outward and keep you protected from incoming invaders. These invaders are being created by your own body internally. Uh, it's horrific, it's just horrible. And then lastly on this, um, what the shots are doing to the body, we know that because of the cancer promoters and because of other materials that block your body's God-given ability to stop cancer or slow it down, um, we're seeing cancers in remission come back with an explosion we're seeing what we call turbo cancers, ramping up, taking people down really quickly. So I'm gonna just take a pause in case you have any questions and, and then we'll go a little further. I, I do have a, a question. Obviously, several manufacturers uh, of these vaccinations, uh, none of them go through clinical trials. None of them have any legal liability for the impact of their, uh, of their product. Do you think it is possible that different brands or different batches of the vaccination, uh, that some were perhaps more lethal, more dangerous than others? From a, I see things, obviously I'm not a medical professional. I see things from a political point of view. If the people who manufactured these vaccinations in fact knew how dangerous and deadly they were, they had to also know that a disproportionate number of people who would blindly and gladly take them uh, would be uh, liberals, would be uh, those who disagree with us politically. Uh, and therefore the impact uh, on their voter base, well, you've got to go into alternative media to find it, but 
as you know, uh, virtually every major disease uh, category is up. We're seeing things that we have never seen before. So do you think it is possible that perhaps the people in New York got a different uh, lethal dosage than, say, the people in, I don't know, Nebraska? That's an excellent question um, because it opens up the door to, I think there were two bioweapons. I believe these are DOD uh, created, paid for bioweapons. The first bioweapon was the gain of function, which we know even though there was a moratorium, they those that were about to be funded or already funded were allowed to continue. I believe they dropped this gain of function, very virulent version that, uh, that they synthetically created over some major areas in the United States, New York City included, because they had to have a visual of the fear to get people to say, oh my gosh, there's a there's an epidemic or a pandemic, I better go get this shot. But I think it was all to lead people to the major bioweapon, which is these shots. And I think it was diabolically very clever to, to have lots of people take them and have nothing at all to report, because then you gain advocates for the shot, number one. I'm not sure it was a politically targeting uh, one side or the other, because I don't believe there are sides much anymore, but that's another discussion, um, mainly because I think people were hit on both sides of the political spectrum. And I, I think that was by design as well, uh, so that it didn't look like it was targeted. Uh, so if it is, it's still kind of a, a, a kept secret. But if you look at the work of, to answer the first, maybe the earlier part of your question, the work of, um, uh, uh, it's called Team Enigma. It's headed up by the medical director is Dr. Michael Eden, who I believe is the only other frontline doctor who is really inside pharma like myself. Um, and the uh, the, hard, the hardworking analysts like Sasha Latipova, Catherine Watt, who's a legal analyst up in Pennsylvania, they have really laid out the evidence, not just a theory, but the evidence that this is a DOD mass genocide operation that it's designed to happen over decades and to take out people and to damage them and also to keep pharmaceutical money you know, coming in. And I do believe that pharma as an industry is now part of the, the DOD. So I hope, I hope that helps. I mean, there's a lot of evidence that could be a whole you know, show or discussion. I've done them many times on, on my show, the Dr. Jane Ruby show, I've gotten into that evidence. Um, I think it's important for people to understand uh, this isn't, this was not a public health emergency. This was not a, Public health has been hijacked, and uh, we don't need the government to, to to give us these kinds of medicines that were never ready for humans yet. Uh, it's a great idea to think that you could send in a message to the human body, tell it to do something to protect you or prevent disease, but this technology is nowhere ready for human prime time. And the preclinical studies that were done, the very few that were done, which is animals and petri dishes, the animals died within two weeks because they, they show a safety signal faster than human beings. They don't translate to humans, but they sure show the safety issues you know, sooner. Okay, thanks for answering my question. Uh, proceed with your very impressive presentation. Thank you so much, Roger. So I wanna move to slide uh, in the group here. Uh, this is slide number uh, three. Uh, slide three uh, is really my message to people. I've spoken at the Reawaken Tour, as you have as well, and many other uh, events uh, across the country, trying to warn people that this COVID thing was an operation and it's not over. It's not going to be over for a long time. So there is more of this on the way. And if you don't believe me, you can any of you can go to the websites of Pfizer, Moderna, AstraZeneca, and many other companies maybe you haven't even heard of yet. Every one of these companies has a pipeline that they proudly and publicly put on their websites. And you can click on it. It'll say products, products in development, pipeline. And they will show you hundreds of mRNA candidates that are in development for, for not only flus and colds and, and infections and shingles and all this other stuff, but for many other types of diseases. So this is, we're going to be flooded with this. So I wanted to share, this list is really important. Uh, first of all, the, they're going to—they're pretending that COVID has not is not over. You look around you; there, you know, we have seasonal illnesses. We don't have a pandemic or an epidemic, and there's a lot of crime committed under semantics. A, an epidemic is a breakout in a an isolated 
area like a country. It's large. It's not like a city or a few people. However, a pandemic pan across the world means there are multiple epidemics across continents. And this is where people, they talk about, oh, you have the COVID pandemic, get your next shot. There's no pandemic. There actually never was a pandemic. Uh, in fact, if you saw the Johns Hopkins, remember that map where all the red bubbles were getting bigger and that was designed to visually scare you. That was paid for and created by the Bill Gates Foundation, who still owns that and they own most of Johns Hopkins in Baltimore. But I wanted to share that there's going to be many more COVID-19, you know, variant. Viruses don't burn up into something scarier. They generally burn down. Um, RSV, you know, I'm, uh, I've, I've, I've been on the planet a long time. I'm a medical professional. I, we, didn't, we never heard about RSV until, you know, only recently. Respiratory syncytial virus, another sort of fake category. It's the common cold. Uh, seasonal flus, you're going to get mRNA shots. Marburg, uh, we already have a Marburg and Ebola declaration that ramped up the PrEP Act. There are, there are no cases in the United States. And in fact, there are virtually no cases, maybe a few here and there within the continent of Africa, but not outside of certain countries. And then, of course, you have the two maniacs, the psychopaths who created and founded BioNTech, Pfizer's partner. This is uh, 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 Ugar, uh, Ugar Sahin and Aslam Teresi. They're two Turkish husband and wife. If they didn't make enough money on the, the COVID uh, sham shots, they are now coming up with a, a vaccine to treat or prevent cancer, if you can imagine that. And, and so they're coming out with that. So I wanted to share that. with. But when we have a moment, I wanted to tell you that I brought along a clip from this is Albert Bourla. He was at Davos a year ago and he was asked by the reporter, hey, you know, are you going to have a, a flu shot, a seasonal flu shot with, um, you know, with the mRNA in it? And he said, oh, yeah, we got the studies. We're done. We're good. So the guy says, well, when do you think you're going to have the mRNA shot for flu so we can get our seasonal flu shot? And he says, oh, June or July of 2023. So be very careful because all the seasonal flu shots this past fall and winter and currently have the mRNA. And if you have that, we can, uh, I just teed it up. We can take a look at that. Let's roll it. You raised it. Yeah. Where are you in developing? Because I know, I think that's what you were originally doing with BioNTech. You were yes. developing mRNA for flu. Where yeah. are you on a flu vaccine based on mRNA? Oh, the studies are running. They have completely recruited. We are waiting for cases as they accumulate. It means that people have been vaccinated. Placebo vaccine. And now the disease, some of them will get disease. And then we are waiting to unblind the data to see what is coming. I think we'll come in the, this year, in 23. Well, that's what I was going to ask. I mean, you can't guarantee a timeline depending on the clinical trials. No. No, because but your you, best guess, what would you think? Uh, I think uh, by the first half of the year, maybe. First half of the year? Yeah, June, July. Wow. And, and so our, how far are we away from one vaccine that's both COVID and flu together? First, we need to have a flu. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if we have a flu, already we started uh, uh, experiments to combine the two. Uh, so that we don't lose time again. Uh, I think we'll come more or less all together if it is successful. You raised it. Yeah. Where are Shocking. All right, we have about we have about uh, six minutes, uh, folks. The bottom line is, don't get a flu shot. I'm not going to. No one in my family is. Jane, we got about six minutes. I want to be sure to tell people where they can find you. But uh, please continue. Sure. Uh, for those of you uh, who, who want to watch the Dr. Jane Ruby show, uh, that's uploaded to Rumble three times a week. And of course, I do coffee chat, which sounds innocuous, like a nice little you know coffee side, side chat. But I do uh, do a lot of educating and a lot of uh, reality check there. So um, please check that out. That's rumble.com forward slash DR Jane Ruby. I'm on Twitter, uh, on fire on Twitter. Follow me there. That's really where I break a lot of the links breaking information. And my website, drjaneruby.com, which has a lot of educational stuff, it tracks my shows. And it also followed my uh, recent, uh, thank God, my recent dismissal in a federal court uh, after I was sued uh, falsely by the self-proclaimed inventor of the RNA shots, uh, Robert Malone, uh, sued uh, me and Dr. Peter Bregan for $25 million. We were dismissed. But all the legal documents and the filings, so people understand what that was, that was an attack on the First Amendment. That's also on my website. 
drjaneruby.com. So um, thank you, Roger, for that. To, to wrap up, I wanted to share with people a little bit of information here that we have on slide five. And so you need to pay attention to the PREP Act. This is uh, the Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness Act. This is what is taking away, it's, it's damaging, it's disconnecting you from your United States Constitution and your God-given rights that are cert certified in that Constitution. Uh, there is something called the CDC Death Protocol. That's um, uh, There's no official name for that, but you need to know that hospitals are heavily uh, incentivized. They get uh, all kinds of monies. The minute you go into a hospital ER, they swab you for COVID. It's a fake PCR test, false positives. You are off to the races, isolated, remdesivir, you know, then uh, a ventilator. All those stages bring um, bonuses back to the hospital. That's why they do it. And they will take you to your death. And the, the last person to get a bonus is the coroner. There is also something on the CMS, Center for Medicaid and Medicare uh, website, Roger, that's very important. It's called the Waiver of Patient Rights. Remember when you also went into the hospital and you saw those signs that said, you have patient rights and you have the right to know who your doctor is. You have the right to leave. You have the right to refuse medical treatment. That's suspended right now. That is legally suspended under the waiver of patient rights. Uh, disease X, it's a joke, Roger. It is the placeholder for future tyranny. It's so, it's so stupidly transparent. We'll just put a placeholder in there. And then when we feel like scaring you again and, and demanding lockdowns, we'll use disease X. So beware of that. And then of course the unlimited legal liability right now, uh, there is no public health emergency, but it continues to get extended because that's what allows them to take to maintain uh, power over you and, and keep your rights from you. So I ask people to be very vigilant about this PREP Act should be demolished. It should be ripped out, which is why I'm angry at everybody in Congress. They have so much power to do all of this. They could shut Pfizer down from operating in the United States, but they don't, Roger. It's called money, 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 money. All right, uh, a terrific uh, presentation by my friend, Dr. Jane Ruby. Uh, let's put Thank up you. her Rumble channel one more time so people can grab that. There it is, folks, rumble.com slash Dr. Jane Ruby. Uh, please watch her great show. I'm just now getting into it, uh, but Thank I'm you. delighted you could uh, join us today. Uh, clearly, Disease X is uh, kind of gives you the, the heads up as to what will come. The people who perpetrated this deadly hoax on the American people made billions of dollars. Uh, and there's no reason why, uh, unless we have a change of leadership in this country, they won't do it again. So uh, Jane Amen. Ruby has been a, a warrior. She's paid a heavy price. Um, I congratulate you on the dismissal uh, of the outrageous case against you. And Jane, you are always welcome on the Stone Zone. God bless you and Godspeed. God bless you too, Roger. Thanks again. It was an honor. All right, folks, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Stone Zone. Follow us uh, at uh, rumble.com slash rogerstone uh, and make sure you watch us every day uh, right here uh, at, uh, at Rumble. Uh, we are delighted to have you. God bless you and Godspeed.